0: We talk a lot about Jesus and what he came to do, because that's what our faith is all about. In this series called Blood and Guts, we're doing a deep dive into the book of Hebrews to see how Jesus connects to the Old Testament and what that means for our lives today. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. When I was a child, my parents taught me a very important lesson. Um, They taught me a lesson in the realm of the art of not giving up not giving up, was very important to my parents for some reason. Um, they made me play all the sports ball, basically, except basketball. Nobody made me play basketball. But besides that, um, I, they made me play baseball. They made me play soccer. They made me play football. Lots of sports ball. I did not care about sports ball very much. Um, but it was very important to them that I play it for some reason. And when I got into whatever, football or especially football, but baseball, soccer, when I got into these things and then I didn't like it, they acted like it was my choice to do it. So a couple weeks into practice, I'm like, parents, dear parents, I would like out of this arrangement. And they said, well, you've already committed to the team, so you got to stick it out for the season. And I said, wait, I did not agree to that (laughs) when I began playing the sports ball season. Um, So they made me try all kinds of things. And their their idea of trying a sport was like four years of playing. Like every year we had this conversation. It wasn't a long conversation. It was a me saying, no, thank you. And them saying, yes, thank you. (laughs) And so I played lots of years. No matter how much I hated it. No matter how much I hated running laps around the football field. That's like... What, 250 yards? Oh, no matter how much I hated that, so much in the heat. No matter how much I hated riding the bench in baseball in important games because I was really bad. I was bad, guys, and they made me play anyway. I was sitting on the bench. No matter how much I hated um, spending my Saturday mornings for a 45 minute drive to a town I'd never heard of to get beaten in football and like quite literally beaten. Like I was a lineman, I'm just big. I'm not good, I was just big enough where they put me between the bad guys and the ball. And they're like, well he'll probably, you know, kind of be big enough to stop people. I wasn't because I wasn't mean enough. to. I was like, why would I hurt these people? What's the story here? Um, (laughs) No matter how much I hated spending my Saturday mornings getting beaten up in football, no matter how much I hated long practices in the sun at the beginning of summer and at the end of summer, quitting wasn't an option. Quitting was never an option. And as annoying as that was, it did teach me some important lessons about not giving up because it applied to sports when I was a kid, and it very much applies to my life right now, that um, quitting is not an option. And and what I have begun, I will finish, and what God has called me to, I will commit to. Quitting is not an option. The human experience has always been about making things easier. Like, looking back, I think of, like, the modern technology, like Alexa, is, is all about making my life better. The newest iPhone 13 advancement, um, is all, the, the iOS 13 is what I mean. I know it's an iPhone 11, but three cameras, isn't that important? No. So, But every modern technology is about making my life better. Looking back at the Industrial Revolution, some of you have learned about that. It was all about making life better easier, a little less inconvenient, all the way back to the invention of the wheel. (laughs) It was about how can we get this thing from here to here a little faster, a little bit easier. The human experience has always been about improvement, making things easier, making things more comfortable. So the quest for convenience has shown me that we as people do not like things to be difficult. (laughs) Um, Just generally, we would like things to be a little bit easier, but that's not always the case. Many of us in this room have shed a tear or two in frustration over a school assignment that has become more difficult than we originally had thought it was going to be, or we just waited too long and put ourselves in a predicament. (laughs) That's usually the case for me. Many of us in this room have lost sleep over a friendship. Somebody did something you didn't like, or or a romantic relationship that you thought was going to be easy, you thought was going to be like a movie, and it wasn't quite like that. We don't like things to be difficult. We don't like things to be more difficult than we expected them to be. But I think we can all admit, when the result is sweet enough, we will do whatever it takes to make it happen. If the thing is good enough, we will do difficult things. This is a, a, a trade-off here. We'll do whatever it takes to push through to a really sweet result. If I want it bad enough, I'll do anything to make it happen. Here's some examples. It's easy to ghost a friend that's kind of like an acquaintance that like, sent you something you're like, nah, eh, that's funny, whatever, so I'll just like leave it. That's fine. But... When you are feeling lonely and you want to hang out with a friend, you will clean the entire house before asking. Have you been there? I have. Maybe it's not the first time, but maybe they say, well, maybe if you do a little thing around the house, I'll clean the whole place. If I'm lonely enough, I will clean the whole place so that I can go hang out with a friend. It's easy to blow off homework in the beginning of the year, <laughs> right? You're like, well, this assignment doesn't seem like it's worth that much, so I can probably get away with a zero on my, on my report card. And then towards midterms, you find... Well, I'm failing, and that's a problem. And then you will do whatever it takes for extra credit. Or you find that you're like two points away from an A. Oh, man, that was, that's worse than failing, in my opinion. It's just too... No, you're right. It's not. It's not worse. But, but in my heart, I feel that. Two points away from the next level, I will do whatever it takes. I will do whatever extra credit you need me to do to make it happen. It's easy to finish off a bag of Cheetos absentmindedly or to eat a whole pizza... Accidentally. But whenever I think about the health problems in my family, when I think about wanting to spend time with my grandkids, it becomes a little easier to choose apples or pickles in my case. I prefer to munch, to crunch on a pickle. Yeah, it's very healthy, almost zero calories. But let's be serious for a minute. I recognize that life is hard, and a lot of people will will dismiss the woes of a teenager. But I am not one of those people, and I'm here to tell you, I believe you, that your life is difficult. You are no stranger to suffering and pain. I'm perfectly aware that the things you're facing now, there's plenty of challenges awaiting you in adulthood, but I'm very aware that what you are facing now is painful, not small. Many of you are dealing with a daily battle against depression and anxiety, a daily battle with things like that. Many of you in this room have seen what a divorce can do to a family or you have seen what a divorce in your parents can do to the way you view yourself. Many of you experienced the death of a loved one, or you've been bullied or left out or betrayed by a friend. Many of us in this room have felt alone. Life is hard. You know what pain and suffering are like. Sometimes our pain and suffering can be so bad that it's tempting to quit trying. It's tempting to kind of turtle up which is the phrase I use where, you know, like the, just go into your show and forget about everything else, forget about all the challenges, forget about all the things that you have to try to achieve, and just kind of ride it out. Because it seems like it would be easier than trying. And to some degree, that's the case for a little bit. But what I want you to hear is something very, very important, something that I learned on the football field, that I learned in the baseball diamond, that I that I learned actually in the outfield because I wasn't good enough to play in the diamond, but <laughs> what I learned in the outfield, in the hot sun, picking posies, when giving up feels like the best option, remember the joy on the other side of perseverance. If you don't know that word, it just means endurance. It means keep trying. It's on, do, remember the joy on the other side of perseverance. If we knew what was on the other side of not quitting, we wouldn't struggle so much with quitting. If we knew what was on the other side of that perseverance, we would not struggle so much and we would realize that quitting is just not an option. Quitting is not an option. Sometimes sometimes we have to think, about the joy on the other side of perseverance. And sometimes we have to remember the joy on this side. We have to remember the things that we're grateful for, what God has done for us on this side of perseverance. As Jesus followers, we know that we can have hope because hope has come. (laughs) Hope has come to be with us. Jesus is hope. He has come to live with us. He died on the cross for our sins. Uh, We find tremendous hope in what Jesus has done for us. And if you've been here for any amount of time, you've probably heard about what Jesus did, how much he loves you, him paying the price for our sins on the cross so that we could be reunited, be in the family of God. Hope has come because Jesus has come. And yet we also believe that hope is coming again because if you read the back of the book, the end there, We read about Jesus coming a second time. He came the first time to reunite God and man. And the second time he is coming to fix, he's going to right every wrong. He's going to come and he's going to walk among us. He's going to redeem this earth that he created good and we messed up. He's going to redeem it all. He's going to fix sinful nature. He's going to right every wrong. That's what happens. He's going to reestablish his kingdom on the earth. What Jesus did and what Jesus is going to do are not Uh, what What he did and what he's going to do in person are not the whole story because he does that in our lives. He redeems, he reestablishes his kingdom in our lives. He is teaching us a very important lesson in not giving up, that quitting is not an option. And this is how I'm gonna phrase it for the remainder of this evening. This is the bottom line. This is the one thing I'd like you to remember. If you remember one thing, I'd like you to remember that Dave is wearing a cool shirt and that hope has come and will come again. Hope has come, and will come again. Jesus came, and will come again. And there is hope, and joy, and hope for your joy today as well. So we're in this series called Blood and Guts. And for the last few weeks, we've been studying the book of Hebrews. We've been taking a close look, a deep dive into the book of Hebrews. And we've learned a lot about the sacrifice of Jesus' blood on the cross, how it paid the price for our sins, how we're reunited with God. And last week, Dave talked to us about how it takes guts to change the world. Really, really great stuff. And tonight, we're talking about hope, in case you couldn't tell. We're talking about hope. And I'm going to give you three quick ways. I'm not going to say easy ways, but quick ways, three, three ways for you to remember perseverance, to, to, to realize that quitting is not an option, to remember that hope has come and will come again. All right? Three things. First of all, focus on Jesus. And this is a maybe Sunday school answer. Jesus is the answer to all of your problems. In some ways, Yes, he is. Focus on Jesus. So we're going to jump into Hebrews here. Um, now, your Bible might have some headings in it, um, but you should know that that is an English thing that wasn't in the original writings. But we kind of put that in there to help us understand chunks of the Bible. So your heading in this section of Hebrews ten thirty two um, through thirty five it might say a call to perseverance, a call to perseverance, and this is what it says. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were things, you knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that has been promised, a call to perseverance. So a huge part of perseverance, a huge part of not quitting is keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. It's focusing on Jesus, what he's done for us, what he's going to do, how he has come, how he will come again, focusing on Jesus. Big picture, eternity stuff. Cause it can be it can be difficult when we're caught up in the In um, little inconveniences, and not all of our troubles are. I realize that. But we can be encumbered by little inconveniences and forget the big picture about Jesus. Forget what God has done for us. It's so important. When you get discouraged, focus on Jesus. When you're focusing on Jesus, you're reminded of some things. You're reminded that God is in you, that he loves you, that he cares about you, um, that he's coming back to right every wrong. You remember those things when you focus on Jesus. And we've talked about this before. Part of what God has done, part of what what makes what God has done so amazing is that he, Jesus came and suffered. Like he had the human experience. He died on a cross. He suffered to understand human suffering. He He was a part of human suffering and he suffers with us when we suffer. When we're feeling alone He is feeling that loneliness. He is feeling with us because he cares that much about us. But you should know that God never runs out of mercy, love, or grace. He never is an unlimited supply of love and mercy and care for his people. There's a woman named Cory Ten Boom, and you may have heard that name before. I had heard the name. I couldn't have placed it when I was kind of studying if I just read the name. But um, you may know the name because her family was in um, Germany, in Nazi Germany, and was taking in Jews and, and housing the Jewish people during the Holocaust. So they were being hunted down by the Nazis and her family was hiding these Jewish people. They were caught and the whole family was sent to a concentration camp. And Corrie ten Boom was the only one in her family that made it out of that concentration camp. Everybody else died in the camp. And she had this really, really great quote about suffering. And if you are feeling alone, if you are feeling um, despair and discouragement, I want you to hear this. She said, Keep in mind the context of her life. She said, There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Because God's love reaches down into the deepest pit where we are sometimes, where we when we are feeling discouraged, when we are feeling overwhelmed, alone. His arm is long enough. His love is big enough to reach us even in this deep pit that we think we're so far away from him. His love is big enough to reach us no matter how far away you feel from him. He's big enough to reach you. We've talked about mental health in this room a bunch of times, and um, part of removing the stigma of mental health and why we don't talk about it is just talking about it, the way we have in here, recognizing that a lot of people deal with a lot of difficult things, that depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts are things to be talked about, and that's what begins healing, is when we start talking about them with people that we can trust. And if you are someone in here that is dealing with those things, you need to know that you're not alone and that this is a safe place to begin your journey of healing. Now, your small group leader cannot be your counselor, and they cannot give you medication, but they can be the beginning of your journey to healing. Just by saying to a small group leader, I'm having these thoughts, I'm dealing with this every single day, they can be the one that begins your journey of maybe giving you help, uh, hints and helping you word a conversation with your parents about how you just need to tell your parents to get them involved in this healing process. Or, or maybe they play a role. They are a part of the journey toward healing. That's something that can happen in here. When you are feeling hopeless, bring it to people. Start by focusing on Jesus because hope has come and will come again. Now, this leads nicely into the second idea because the second idea is to lean on each other. Lean on each other. Don't do this alone. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 says this, "'Let us hold tightly without wavering.'" So tight. "'Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise.'" Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. As we focus on Jesus, we work together to focus on Jesus. As we, as we focus on Jesus, we are reminding one another focus on Jesus. So we were created for community. So one of the worst things that can happen to us is isolation. And that's why loneliness accompanies depression and anxiety so much, because it's evil. And and isolation is not a thing that God intended. He, He created us for community. And this idea in Hebrews and all over God's written word is saying that we need each other. We need to stick together. We need to look out for one another. We need to regularly meet together. We don't just come into this building because we thought it would be a great idea. This is God's idea, to create a community centered on him, focused on him together. Because when we're together, we remind each other of the truth. We motivate each other to follow Jesus more closely. We encourage one another to not quit. We need each other to do that. And that means coming to church on Sundays that you maybe want to sleep in. I'll say it again. That means coming to church on Sundays even when you want to sleep in, even when you went out on a Saturday night when you maybe knew that you were going to be tired coming to church the next day. This means coming to Apex, even if it means it's going to cost you an hour of sleep because you got to do a little more homework. Prioritizing the community that God has set up for us means um, participating in a small group discussion even if you're a little nervous about it. It means sending a text to a small group leader when you're feeling tempted. It means hanging out with an apex friend when you're feeling lonely. These are the ways that our community is there for each other. I don't just want you to come here because it's good for me. It's good for us. It's good for the community. Everyone here in this room is here for a reason. You are here to be supported and to support other people. God's community is important. Lean on each other. I've worked really hard to surround myself with strong Christ-following people. Um, I have, I, not all of my friends are Christians, but I know that the people, I know when I need the type of encouragement a Christ follower can give me, and I know who I can call in those circumstances. I know the people that will remind me that hope has come and will come again. We need other people to help us with this third idea, and the third idea is to remember the truth. Remember the truth. Hebrews 3 says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. For some reason, in the tough times, it is really easy for us to forget what we know is true. Like on a good day, we know who we are in Christ. We know what he has done for us. We know that he fulfills all his promises. They're yes and amen. On a good day, we know all those things and we feel like there's nothing that could take us away from that. But sometimes it only takes one bad day for us to forget all of that, for us to think the opposite of those things. We know on a good day who God is and what he does for us but it only takes one bad day, one bad moment for us to forget it all. We have to help each other remember the truth. Community is so important as we remember the truth together. But not only our community, but we need to be good at preaching to ourselves. You cannot spend your whole week hearing one or two messages in church and feel like that's gonna take care of you through the whole week. That is, you need to be good at preaching to yourself. Learning the truth and repeating it to yourself. So we learn the truth, we remember the truth by reading the Bible and by praying, talking to God with Christian community and evangelism. Those are always that we remember the truth. And that's right. We're on 10 and 10 again. It is that important. We talk a lot about having a deep and daily relationship with Jesus. 10 minutes every day reading the Bible. 10 minutes every day praying. That's just a great baseline to begin that journey, begin this taking the steps. For, toward a deep and daily relationship with Jesus. It, we talk about it so often because it's that important to have a deep and daily relationship with Jesus. These are the best ways to remember the truth. And even if you just Google promises of God, you're going to find a bunch of references, a bunch of great places to start, to uh, to start reminding you of the truth. So here's a couple that you might be able to start with because Deuteronomy 31.6 reminds us that you are not alone. The truth is you are not alone. John 3.16 and 17 says, God loves you. Colossians 1.14 reminds us that we are forgiven. Romans 8.1 and 2 reminds us that we are free. 2 Timothy 1.7 reminds us to have a sound mind. John 15.7 reminds us that prayer matters. Prayer changes things. 1 Peter 5.7 reminds us that we can give our anxieties to a God that cares about us. James 4.8 reminds us, just as I mentioned in worship, that as we draw closer to God, he draws closer to us. All of these ideas remind us of God's truth. Remind us of God's promises, remind us of the truth. And they remind us that hope has come and will come again. You've heard a thousand stories of people who had hope, who didn't quit, who persevered, and and they were rewarded in the end. And maybe not. <laughs> and some people have hope and they don't they don't quit, they persevere all the way and it still looks like a defeat. But there is victory when you stay steadfast, when you pursue God with it, when you focus on Jesus, when you lean on a community, when you remember the truth, when you do those things, there is always a reward in the end, even if it's not on this side of of death. So I think of a couple, I think of Bible, uh, in the Bible, I think of a man named Joseph. And Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, And then ended up in prison. All he was was good. All he did was be faithful to God and have excellence in every job he ever got and impressed every person he ever met. And yet he still ended up in prison. He still ended up betrayed by his family the end of that story, God has rewarded him and he's ruling over Egypt. And then his family comes in a, in a, a famine and he's ruling over Egypt. And his family says, oh, ruler of Egypt, they don't recognize him because they sold him into slavery so long ago. And his brothers say, oh, ruler of Egypt, please feed us. And he makes a decision to forgive his family and save his family from starvation. In history, we see this over and over again. Corrie Ten Boom is one example. Her family died in this concentration camp. They were punished for doing what they knew was right, doing what God had called them to do. They were punished for And Corrie Ten Boom didn't quit. And now her story has inspired so many people. Not long ago, you heard Andrew's story. Um, One of our small group leaders here, one of the Apex staff members, um, I wasn't here that night, but I actually, just today, I caught up on the podcast, and I heard his story where he didn't quit. His daughter was born with a a heart defect, a heart condition, and their family had hope. Their family didn't quit. And today, he is at Disneyland, (laughs) Disney World with his daughter. He is seen, and his story is inspiring people because he didn't quit. He persevered, he had faith, he remembered, he he focused on Jesus. He put p- people around him that would support him and he remembered the truth that God is faithful, that his promises are yes and amen and his story is inspiring people. Hope has come and will come again. Hope has come for these people and many, many others and hope will come for you if you remember that quitting isn't an option. If you take that seriously, that quitting is not in options. So remember these three ideas. Focus on Jesus. Lean on others. Remember the truth. These three things are not going to make your problems go away. Did you hear that? They are not going to make your problems disappear. But I hope they help you to persevere when things are hard. I hope they help you remember hope has come and will come again. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you came. Thank you that you came. You stepped into creation. You suffered You suffered death on a cross, and now we get to be reunited with you through that. God, we have seen you display hope. You have shown us that as we cling to you, as we stay faithful to your promises, as we persevere, you reward us because hope has come and will come again. So God, I pray in this room, you give us hope. You help us to focus on you, to lean on the people around us, and to remember your truth. And as we do that, as we commit to perseverance, as we... Remember that quitting is not an option and that hope has come and will come again. God, remind us daily, hope has come and will come again. Hope has come and will come again. We love you. We dedicate this time to you, God. And I pray you bless our small group conversations as we go a little deeper into this idea and we practice that community around us. Thank you, God. In your precious name we pray. Everybody said together, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Students podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We hope this message has mattered in your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.